Hey everybody, this is Catherine and you're listening to the Currency with Catherine podcast, the show that teaches you about all things money, but not just money. We approach money through a holistic life lens because all aspects of your life are connected. That's why we bring in other elements like mental health. When you're confident in your financial capability, all other aspects of your life will improve. And we're back with another episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Currency with Catherine podcast. No special guest today. It's just me. I know I sat down and I looked over the episodes and I was like, man, I haven't just sat down and just talked for a while. So decided to do that today. So technically today is the 31st, March 31st, but I wanted to talk about But this I am in control day is actually yesterday. It was on March 30th. But I don't know if a lot of you like do you ever like look at your calendar and it's like, oh, today is like National Cheeseburger Day or National Get Out of Bed Day. Like I never really pay attention to those except when I want to get a kick out of them. And then I noticed something it just caught my eye. It said national I am in control day. And I was like, huh, that's different. And it kind of like resonated with me a little bit. So I was like, okay, so what is this day about? And so basically when Ronald Reagan, his failed assassination attempt, the words of Secretary of State Alexander Haig, if I'm pronouncing that correct, March 30th, 1981, he said, as of now, I am in control here in the White House. And so Haig later explained that he only meant he was in charge until Vice President George Bush could be sworn in and Bush was in uh, Bush was in route at the time. So this is where they believe the origin of National I Am in Control Day, but they really can't trace it. You know, it's just one of those things that kind of just like stuck in place and no one knows how it actually happened. So there are different ways to observe National I Am in Control Day. Uh, From Google, recommendations are like take a break for a minute and evaluate your situation because sometimes we can only take charge of the things we're in control over. And then everything else we have to let go. So Google recommends to use a daily planner, declutter, make lists, tackle one project at a time, and then, you know, hashtag this and take charge of the things you can control by one, one by one. So that's what I want to talk about. So with everything that happened in like starting with 2020, man, even before that, starting with 2019 up to now to 2023, Do a lot of you feel like the whole COVID lockdown was like a fever dream, like it's a blur? And like for some of COVID, like I really don't remember what I was doing because it was just such, you know, such a different way of life that we had to adapt to. So I know with like 2023, a lot of world changes, Not even that, we're in smack dab in the middle of tax season. There are different tax changes that I've had to talk with people who were like expecting to get a refund and now they're realizing, hey, you owe the IRS $5,000 or $1,000. You know, there's just so much going on in our worlds that it can feel very overwhelming. So 
if you listen to anything I say, I just want to say, control the controllables in your life and the rest of the pieces have a tendency to fall in place. And Control the Controllables is something that it's a book, uh, obviously, but it's also just one of those things that people need to sit down and think about sometimes because I know a lot of things we get stressed out about, like you can't control that your boss is going to yell at you for being one minute late when you clock in, but you can control your response to that. Like you can't control traffic on the interstate, but you can control what time you leave your house. Anticipation of the traffic on the interstate. Like you, like those are just some of the examples. And I feel like where we get a lot of stress in our lives and in our bodies is because we're trying to change things that we don't have any control over. Only thing we can control is our self. So just wanted to touch base on that. And then also, um, you know, focusing on uncontrollables in your life can make you feel like you have no choice or no power, especially like when you're like influenced by all these external factors rather than your own efforts. And that can cause you to like become a victim of the circumstance. And you're like, oh, woe is me. Like bad things always happen to me, you know, in which it can. Like it can also make you feel like you're always in survival mode and you're not out here thriving. This can cause stress and like, um, and then, you know, stress can cause like a spike in your hormones, which makes you not think logically instead of keeping you clear and calm. But what you can do is that you can like try if all of this stuff is happening, happening like subconsciously and you're not really knowing, then you're going to have to start start trying to think cautious consciously and like shift your focus and your energy into things that you can do something about. And that just goes to the framework of control of controllables is perception because perception is everything. Like, cause there will always be things that are outside of your control. But if you perceive to have, like you have control over certain things, then your stress level is immediately going to drop and you're going to feel more calm and clear. Your brain function is going to improve and you're going to be able to perform better in daily life. So what are some things that we do have control over? Number one being our attitude. Remember the example I gave about your boss, you know, you clock in a minute late and he's already on your case. Your attitude, you can just tell him, I understand. I was in traffic. Walk away. You can, you do not have to engage. You can walk away. And I know that's hard for a lot of people because it's like, I'm not a punk. My mom didn't raise me like that. But sometimes people do things to get a response out of you because they have a shitty life. Next would be your effort and energy levels. Now, energy levels is wishy-washy because I understand like with people's mental health and stuff, some things just are taxing and draining and things. But 
and that can affect the effort that you put into things. So you're going to have to like acknowledge, like if there's something with you mentally not right and you know it's not right, like don't be afraid to reach out to help for help. I know mental health and finances are a taboo for a lot of people, but you do not have to go into things alone. And I know cost is a big factor because people are like, I can't afford a therapist. I either recommend better help. And if you are like in a certain income bracket with better help, you can actually apply to like get like discount or even free therapy. And then like, if you can afford to pay some open path collective, you join their membership and they subsidize the um your therapy sessions so like you'll only have to pay like to 30 to 60 dollars per session like you know just like there is help out there and it's not entirely free and there should be more free resources we just kind of have to work with what we have available available with right now um, next would be body language. Body language is key, especially if you're working in like an office with people, because like people can tell like if you're having a down day and stuff and then here they go like, what's wrong, Dan? What's what's like, what's got you down? And then, you know, they don't throw you off your whole rocker for the day. Um, next would be your own preparation. Like if you can't do C-level work and expect an A. That's typically not going to happen. Like you're going to have to actually prep and prepare, get stuff ready if you're trying to prepare for like the next thing in life, even or even with your schoolwork. Like you can't throw a paper together the day before it's due and expect an A++. Now, sometimes you'll get that professor that's like, I'm not reading this. I'm just scanning this through the plagiarism uh, app and see if you plagiarized and then I'll put a grade on it. Um, how you respond when you or the other, you or others make mistakes. I know a lot of people, I have a problem with this. If I make one mistake, I dwell on it for like the rest of the day. And then just randomly another day, like three to six months later, I think about it and I was like, uh, I made that horrible mistake. And that's just me being like self-aware. And I'd be like, I can't be worried about that. I have X, Y, and Z I need to be doing. But here are some things that you can't control. What people think of you. <coughs> Excuse me. Dealing with allergies. So what people think of you. You will never be able to control that. People are going to have something negative to say about you no matter what you do. If you cut your hair. Someone's going to be like, oh, I can never cut my hair that short. My husband wouldn't like me anymore. It's like you gain a little weight. They're going to talk about you. You lose weight. You're on crack. You're on some form of drugs to lose weight. Um, here's a funny one. The temperature of the room. Now, this is a <laughs> this is kind of like an idiom because it's like you can go change the thermostat. What if the thermostat is behind a box? Like if you're at a convention center or something, like I go to a lot of conferences and it'll be 70. I actually went to a conference in Tampa back on the March the 12th and it was so pleasant outside. The temperature was like 
in the low 70s. The wind was blowing, but then inside the conference, the temperature was 50 degrees. And like the first day, I had on a blazer and I was okay. But then the next day, you know, they turned the temperature down lower. And, you know, I wasn't listening effectively and stuff. So how I control that situation, I had to get up and stand <laughs> towards the doors where they had they had the doors open, had to stand up against the um, next to the doors to get some of that heat coming in because the rooms were just so cold. So just wanted to um, touch base on controlling the controllables. And lastly, I want to touch base again back on the power of perception. Because if you can, if you perceive things in a different way, you can change your narrative about that and you can change your life. So there is a old story, a fable about this farmer and the farmer, he had one horse and the horse ran away and the neighbors like came to like console him. And they're like, oh, we're sorry, your one horse ran away. You must be angry and sad. And the farmer said, well, we'll see. Who knows what's good and what's bad? So then the following week, the farmer's horse came back. And this time he brought a dozen wild horses with him. And the farmer and the son got all the horses and the neighbors were like, wow, this is great fortune. You must be joyful. You know, you must love this. And the farmer again said, like, we'll see who knows what's good and what's bad. So then the next day, one of the wild horses trampled the the, fa the farmer's son and broke his legs. And the neighbors were like, again, they're like, oh, we're so sorry. You must be upset. This is terrible. And the farmer, again, is like, we shall see. <laughs> so then sometime after that, the country went into war and every healthy young man was drafted to the fight. But because of the farmer's son, you know, his legs got broke by the horse a while back, he didn't get drafted. And it was a horrible war. Almost every soldier died. So then the farmer's neighbors again are like, man, your son, he didn't go to war. You must be so happy and relieved. And the farmer was like, well, we'll see who can know what's good and what's bad. And so that really comes from a Shakespeare quote from Hamlet said, there is nothing neither good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So the fable of the farmer, like when I first heard this, it was very confusing because it's like, you'd be like, yeah, he should be happy that now his one horse returned and it brought friends, you know? And then he was like, oh, we'll see. And then his son's legs got broke, but his son didn't go to war. And then, you know, it will make you think about, okay, that was a good, bad, good, bad. So what's the, what's the next thing that's going to happen after that? So a lot of people tend to think that certain things are good and then certain things are bad. But in reality, that's just like how things are, are because there is a one-to-one -one relationship with um, between how between you and the event that happened. But like, as we've seen in this fable, the um, everything is not black and white. Everything is not cut and dry. So here's like the reality of how we experience life. There's one event, right? So you can have 
a neutral reaction, a good reaction, and a bad reaction. And those are typical your emotional experiences. So let's say that you got in a fender bender on the way to work, right? So most people would be like, oh, they'll be a little mad, be like, oh, no, my car, you know, and stuff. Or some someone may be like, ah, well, good thing we got insurance. That's what it's for. And then someone else may actually be happy because, you know, they were having a terrible day and maybe now they don't have to go to work. Like they can go home, take some sick leave and they can rest. You know, it could have been a little blessing in disguise. So if we think back to the fable, you notice the neighbors were very like swept up in what they automatically felt like the farmer should have been like. And the farmer had a neutral reaction to everything because he's just like, mm, mm, you know. So I know some people would be like, well, what was what's the point of like if you're not supposed to have these reactions? But you are. You are supposed to have reactions to stuff. But depending on your reaction affects your mood, your attitude, and blurb, and what we talked about earlier about controlling the controllables. So you can choose what your reaction to a situation will be. So always try to choose the one that is most empowering to you. So back to the car wreck example, if I got an offender bender and, you know, it's the other person's fault. I'm just like, well, you know, hate that my car, you know, may be possibly totaled because I have an older car, but, you know, I will get compensated and it may be best to upgrade the car anyway because it's an older car. It doesn't have the safety features new, uh, newer vehicles have. It just has one airbag. It's a reliable car. I drive a Honda. So Honda will last until the engine just goes on it. So, you know, I trust my car. All right. So, um, other thing I want to mention is that with life events, they don't have a fixed narrative. And you see this with, for my nerds out there, we see this so much in pop culture, right? So, I think about the movie Star Wars. I think, well, let's, let me rephrase. I think about the Star Wars trilogy, right? So I'm a little bit younger, so I wasn't around when they started off putting out, you know, they started with four, five, and six, went back and did one, two, and three. Now, I did come around when I actually got into Star Wars, when they started having the Clone Wars animated series. Um, then it went on to where they started making the new trilogy with Rogue One, um, Ray, Finn, all of that, even to now with the Obi-Wan series on Disney+. Plus. So when I think about it, is that we really started off with like this small piece of story with Darth Vader, Luke, Leia, Obi-Wan, episodes four, five, and six. We started off with like a little piece, right? And so then they elaborated on the story. They went back and gave us three prequels. And so now doesn't the story change a little bit because from four, five, and six, because we understood what happened in one, two, and three. 
those are inherently, you know, not the best. <laughs> and then think about in Rogue One, that's my favorite one in like the new trilogy series. It's my Rogue One is undefeated. Do not quote me. Do not come at me for that. So when I think about, oh, spoiler alert also, if you want to skip forward, when I think about Rogue One, how they were able to get the plans for the Death Star and they were able to pass it off um, to Princess Leia. And, you know, and now it changes your perspective of like, wow, that's how they got it. And granted, this is probably not the best example because it's like, well, they just did that because they wanted to elaborate on the story more. So now they can kind of change the narrative of how they want to. Yes, that's the point. The perception has changed. Like if they just left Star Wars 4, 5, and 6, we would have never known like we would have never met Anakin. We wouldn't have met young um, Obi-Wan. We wouldn't have known the whole story, like the whole backstory with Luke and Layla and Anakin and uh, Padme. I mean, like, just because we've gotten additional information, it has changed our perception of, like, how the story has unfolded and what how the Star Wars universe is laid out now. So I hope that was a great example. Um, one word of caution, actually several words of caution, like changing, challenging narratives, changing the narratives, things along that nature, it takes practice. This is not something you're going to be able to do with the flip of a switch. It does not work like that, unfortunately. Because our brains have developed as our brains are processors and the brain processes information pretty quick. Like it's like, can you hear that? Okay. Yes. In any given scenario, your brain relies on mental shortcuts um, to quickly make sense of what's going on. And this is a very useful process, actually, because, you know, you're limits the amount of like mental energy you really need to navigate daily life. I think I saw a statistic that was like, at one point we use like 5% of our brain. And that's not much when you think about it. Okay, but automatic processing can also like immediately is like, okay, is this good or is this bad? Like, do I need to run? Do I need to fight? Uh, do I need to, am I freezing? Like your brain is processing like that because it's like, it's kind of in survival mode. Like it's trying to help you out. So, and a lot of these shortcuts have been like conditioned in us since we were children. That's why we have adults with like childhood trauma. Like um, I gave, actually, I gave a talk at a community college this past Wednesday on the 29th. And I talked about how some of your money habits have been in place since you were like seven years old. And we'll see that pop up in like people who grew up poor and then they got their first, then they started making money and now they're out here buying everything that they wanted to fulfill that child need of like, I never got anything. Now I have this money and I can buy what I want, you know, and it leads to like, uh, like a compulsive spender personality. 
but let's apply perception to that. Like we may just see the person as like, man, they're always spending money, man. They're always like, they're always on vacation and stuff. And the chances are maybe they never got to do that. And now they're fulfilling a perceived need because needs are your basics for your necessities for life. And wants are things that you literally want. So do you really need a vacation? Now, sometimes people do need vacations, but there are some people they are on vacation almost every month going somewhere. So is that really needed? Or is it really a perceived want that you have structured into a need? So perception. So by um, cultivating your regular states of mind, like developing mindfulness, um, it's going to increase your capacity to control your narrative. Because again, this is not something that is going to happen overnight. Same with like building wealth. It doesn't happen overnight. Like, yeah, you can, yeah, by chance you hit the lottery, but if you don't have the financial capacity to handle that money, invest it wisely, and, you know, be smart with it, you're going to be broke in a few years, as we've seen with a lot of millionaires and people who have won the lottery. So what does the process look like changing your narrative? So number one is to notice when you are getting uh, upset or getting swept up into like emotions, you know, like your heart may increase rate, you may, palms may start getting sweaty, like notice your body uh, responders. And then try to pause and collect yourself. And then pause and try to see if you can let go of that automatic reaction. Now, if someone's trying to fight you, that's a different story. Like, you know, don't let someone beat you up. (laughs) Please don't. And then maybe sometime later, consider how you might interpret this event from a different perspective. And then just go forth if you, after you chose like how you respond to that situation. So let's run through some examples. Like you're walking home from work and a thunderstorm catches you by surprise. Your automatic reaction is gonna be like, oh, I don't wanna get wet, this is bad. But let's try to flip that, changing your mindset a little bit and say, well, that was unexpected. I realize, you know, this is natural. I should have kept an umbrella in my car or I should keep a jacket with me when I'm at work. You know, things like that. It's like your clothing's going to get wet in the washer anyway. It's like it'll dry when I get home. Um, it's your night to cook dinner. And just when it ready, just when it's ready, your partner calls and they said they'll be an hour late. So automatic reaction may be like, oh, how disrespectful. Don't they know that I slaved over this stove, this stove for an hour? The food is going to get cold. But on the flip side, changing the narrative, it said the food can stay warm in the oven. I can use this time to read a book that I've been meaning to start. I can watch a series if I want to. Like hey, go ahead and eat your food. Like, just, again, it's about perception and narrative because sometimes people don't want solutions. They just want to vent and that's okay. But, you know, if you're constantly like blah, 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 just constantly shooting out venom every day in the life, then you're going to feel venomously about anything that happens in your life. And that's no way to live. 
Like life is precious and you should be able to live and thrive. So that's all I have today. Thank you for enjoying. Thank you for listening and enjoying the ramblings of that. What I just had thinking about I am in control day. So I'm going to close out with a quote. So uh, Marcus Aurelius, I think I'm saying that right, says that our life is what our thoughts make it. And he is absolutely right. If you think positive, your life will be positive. If you think negative, you may feel more negatively when you get out of bed each morning. All right. So next month, I'll be back with more podcast guests. We got some great guests lined up. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for tuning in and you have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Currency with Catherine podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and join the Currency with Catherine Facebook group for daily financial literacy topics. Be sure to visit our webpage to stay up to date on our monthly events and to book a free clarity call with me.